after first service, I got scolded by a couple of folks in our church for not introducing Steve Henderson. I don't know if y'all saw the e-news, but we did a big thing on Pastor Steve and his wife, Linda. Um, but Steve asked me, he said, I just want to get him preach. I don't want to be introduced. I want to preach God's word. And so just know a lot of times church, like when we do things, it's not that we're knuckleheads and forget. Like sometimes that's true. But sometimes what's really true is that we've thought about it. And we go a different direction to bless somebody and to honor somebody. But without any further ado, my brother, my friend, Steve Henderson, Pastor Steve Henderson. Thank Love you, buddy. You, thank you, Craig. God okay. bless you. Thank you for your kindness. Good morning to you. Happy Sunday. Happy now sunshiny Sunday. You know what? I bet you we have a lot of things in common. Sometimes people tend to look at the outside and think that there's so many differences because of a shade, because of a color. But have you been washed in the blood of Jesus? Have you been born again? Is Jesus your Lord? Hallelujah. We got a lot of things in common. We've got a lot of things in common. You know what? Even more than that, we's family. We's family. And, and, and my, my beautiful wife is here, my pretty girl, uh, Linda, she's over there. That's your sister. That's your sister. In 24 days, me and my pretty girl will be married, 36 years, 36 years. I'm so grateful for that. Just want to let y'all know she robbed the cradle. I was 10 years old when we got married. She had asked my mother for permission, had to sign off, you know, all of that stuff. No, actually, I robbed the cradle. <laughs> But I'm grateful, grateful that we are the body of Christ and we're married to Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful that as that scripture was read, and I'm going to read it again a little bit later. I might as well get started. I might run now. But, but that, that touched my heart, that scripture that was just read. Uh, let's pray to our Father. Father, we give you thanks right now. We praise you for your presence with us. Thank you, God, that you speak so clearly and, and boldly to our lives. It's your word that gives us life. And God, we just thank you right now for this opportunity that you can speak to us. God, I don't know their needs. I don't know their desires, but you do, God. So would you speak to every individually, God, so specifically, so precisely. Build them up in that precious faith and let them know you're right here with us. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you that your word declares that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. So you be the one to teach. You be the one to speak. And we'll listen. And we'll follow your lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some more praise. He's worthy of it. Hallelujah. You know, throughout the years, we as God's people, we've struggled just from time to time on how to live our lives for Christ. And the question arises, how do I serve God? How do I honor God with my life? And how do I honor God with the way that I live? Who do I let influence my life? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it, it says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says that's the least you can do. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Apostle Paul writes now to the church at Rome. 
And not only is he telling them to do not be conformed to this world, he's telling them stop being conformed to this world. For if you look around all in the world today, we see the world is trying to tell the church how to live. We see media is trying to tell us how to live. Celebrities that have a platform are trying to tell the body of Christ how to live. And who do we listen to? We listen to what the word of God says. Now, if they're talking about, if they're talking about Jesus and the way of Jesus, hallelujah. But we listen to what the word of God says. It's so easy, family, to be conformed. When I was outside and running in the world and, and doing drugs and running in the street, I had already conformed my thought about you. I had already said, I don't want to be around those people. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I was conformed to the world. I was conformed to the drugs that, that led my life. When I came to Christ, I realized there needs to be a new Steve. Amen? So let me share this with you. Conformity, conformity. Conformity means to act in accordance with or in harmony with something or someone. It means to comply with the rules, to identify with the standards, and to agree with the practices and attitudes of a group or situation. In this definition, we see three forms of conformity. One is to comply or to compromise. The other one is to identify yourself with the standards. The other one is to agree with the practices and the attitudes. Psalm 1 gives us this same picture. Psalm 1 tells us that there's three forms of conformity. It says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's compromising. That's number one. The second one is, nor does he stand in the path of sinners. He's now identifying himself with the standards. And the third one is, nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. Now he's beginning or she's beginning to agree with the practices and the attitude. So conform, we don't want to be in any of those levels of conformity. Conformity is also said to be this. It's to pattern yourself after something or to shape yourself after something. Be pressed into a mold. I told him this morning, when I think about conformity to press yourself in a mold, I think about gingerbread cookies. Gingerbread cookies. To make a gingerbread cookie, there has to be a gingerbread mold. Any bakers in the house? There has, fix me some gingerbread cookies, please. There has to be a mold to put the gingerbread cookies in for you to have some gingerbread cookies which I am awfully hungry this morning. But there has to be a mold to shape those cookies. The world right now is trying to shape us. Right now they're calling right wrong, and they're calling wrong right. And, and, and who do we listen to? How can we have the right mind? That scripture was just read in Philippians 2 where it spoke about letting the mind of Christ be in you. When I think about the man of Christ, when I think about Christ's likeness, I think about Christ and the incredible amount of love and compassion and mercy it took for him to leave heaven, to take off his glory, to take off his majesty and put on flesh and blood to come and see us and to come and see about us. God made us his priority. 
God made you his priority. That was a place for a praise. I'm going to give you one more chance. God made you his priority. Amen. Hallelujah. God, God, God thinks the best of you. But he tells us that there's a way that we need to be to live our lives for him. He says in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, he says this is what we have to do. Because we need to be able to respond to such a great world. When somebody loves you, do you respond to it? My wife tells me, tells me, when we first met and we were dating years ago, she tells me, I said I loved you first. I said, really? Okay. So maybe you did. But I taught you how to love. So that's my response. I taught her how to love. I didn't. But how do we respond to such a great love that God gives us. This is it. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. We respond to this kind of love with humility and with obedience. That's the action that we see Jesus taking in verse 8. He humbled himself and he became obedient to die. Obedient to die. God, obedient to die. You know why he had to obey and to be obedient to death? Because you cannot kill God. You can't kill God. He had to obey to die. Scripture says that he gave his life. We didn't take his life. Jesus gave his life for us. So he became obedient to death. And I'm humbled that Jesus would even think that I was worth saving, much less worth dying for. I'm amazed that he would place value in me. It's Christ's desire. And it's Christ's purpose that we, his people, would have the same mind. So let's look at what the same mind, what Christ-likeness would offer us. Christ-likeness, it offers us four things. To have the mind of Christ, it offers us humility. It offers us obedience. The mind of Christ offers us value. Christ-likeness offers us purpose. Can we look at humility? True humility, my brothers and sisters, is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Not less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Amen? That's exactly how Jesus lived his life, being mindful of the needs of others. He came to serve. So to walk in humility with God, we need to remind ourselves that we are his followers, and we are always to be mindful of the needs of others. People need to see your love everywhere you go, everywhere you go. They need to see the love of Jesus that you have, being humbled and being mindful of others first. Obedience, obedience. There's a Greek word for obedient, and it's hupeikos, hupeikos. It means to act under the authority of the one speaking, And it also suggests to act attentively, listening and being fully compliant 
responsive. I think of obedience when sometimes my wife will tell me, Steve, will you go in such and such a room and get this and get that? She always gives me a list of stuff to do. She just can't give me one thing to do. She gives me a list. And then when I come back and I'm supposed to have three, I got two. And she said, you didn't listen to me. Well, I kind of did, but I didn't really. In other words, I wasn't hupakos. I didn't listen attentively. And I didn't do exactly what she needed. God wants us to hupakos. He wants us to listen to him attentively. But not only that, he also wants us to listen and obey with the right attitude. There's something about attitude, y'all. I ain't going to tell them the ladies. I was going to say, ladies, y'all know all about attitude, but I'm not going to say that. Um, I love y'all. But, but, but when you're thinking about attitude, I, I think about when I grew up, and even now, I like washing dishes. But when I was growing up as a child and I had to do my chores, I didn't always do my chores with the right attitude. Mama say, wash the dishes. I said, oh, wash the dishes. She said, boy, come back here right now with that attitude. So I was obeying, but I wasn't hupakos. I wasn't obeying with the right attitude. God wants us to follow him with the right attitude. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he goes and, and, and he's hurt and he's broken and he says, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Hupakos, Jesus going and obeying, that's the ultimate, the ultimate point of obedience. So we look at, we, we see in, 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 in having the mind of Christ, we see Christ-likeness right there in two ways, humility and obedience. Humility and obedience. Humility, thinking of yourself less, obedience, obeying God with the right attitude. Let's look at value. Value means to estimate the worth of something or someone. It means to estimate the importance, the worth or the usefulness of something or someone. When I think of value, I I think of the scripture in John 8. You all need to know that Jesus has placed a great deal of value on your lives. And look at him placing value here. But Jesus went, and this is John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. It was just read a little bit earlier. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us to such should be stoned. But what do you say? What do you say, Jesus? (laughs) This, they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not even hear them. So when they continued asking him, he raised up and said to them, you without sin, cast the first stone. I see this in my mind, in my, my spiritual mind. I'm a hindersizer. I wish, I wish my brother was here. We could hindersize things together because we's Hendersons, you know. So, so I, I was thinking as that scripture was read earlier, as he's writing on the ground and he said, he said, you did this sin last week and this was your sin last week. And, this, and you know what hurt my heart 
It's because if I had been in the crowd, I could not have cast a stone either. Because I had sinned against God. I've sinned against God. I have no right to cast a stone. And as Jesus got up, the scripture says, as you heard it earlier, that each one of them left from the oldest to the youngest, dropping their stones. And Jesus asked the lady, he said, lady, a woman, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He did not give her a right. He did not give her a pass on sin. But he said, go and leave your life of sin. But he says, when he says that, he's saying, I place value in you. I value you. I don't want to stone you because you are valuable to me. Church of the Holy Spirit, he says, even if you've sinned, even if you've fallen away, I value you. That's what Jesus speaks to us. So, so value. So we look at humility to have the mind of Christ. We need to be humble. We need to tell others that we want to think about them first. You know what this COVID thing did to us back in March and April? We were fighting over toilet tissue. Come on, y'all. Mindful of the needs of others first. Humility. Obedient. Who pay costs. Follow him with the right attitude. People need to see that Christians really do love people, right? And then we need to value people. The last thing, purpose. Purpose that we see. Purpose means the reason for which something exists or it's done. It's the reason why something was made or used. Purpose speaks to the intended or desired result of a goal of something. I think about Peter. The Apostle Peter, when I think about purpose, because Peter could have actually lost his purpose. Scripture says in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. This is Jesus telling Peter, look, Satan wants to turn you apart. And then he gives him a warning. Jesus is speaking to Peter, but when you return to me. So he's kind of telling him already, you're going to go away. How can you return if you don't go away? Peter missed the warning that he was going to go away. Because Peter responds here in verse 33, but he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. In other words, I ain't going nowhere. Jesus told him this. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. If you know the story, this is what happens to him. This is what happens to Peter. He denies Jesus three times. It says, I'll read the, the last denial down in verse number 59. Again, this is in Luke 22. This is verse 59. Then after about an hour had passed, Peter had already denied twice. Another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow is also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he, and immediately while he was still speaking, a cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. 
And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter left and he wept bitterly. Look, before Peter could even have the opportunity to ask Jesus, please forgive me, please give me another chance, Jesus is already going to be scourged and beaten brutally and then being put on a cruel cross and crucified and put in the grave. But then, hallelujah, he, he defeats death and he's resurrected. No, none of this time that Peter have an opportunity to come back and ask Jesus for forgiveness. Peter, you all, he's struggling. Can you imagine him, the one that had, had, had walked on water, the one that had done great feats for Jesus? Nobody else has a testimony that's walked on water but Peter. But now that same Peter has holes in his faith, holes in his face. Like I think about Swiss cheese that has holes in it. Holes in his faith because he's now denied Jesus. Denied that the, the, the Savior that he's walked with for over three and a half years. He's denied him. Has there ever been times in your life that your faith has failed? And it feels like you've got holes in your faith. Has there ever been times when you've been praying and it seems as if God didn't answer your prayers and you're wondering, Lord, what do you hear me? And your faith has holes. I suggest to you, through your holes of faith, still see Jesus. Even with your holes of faith, even with your holes of doubt, still see Jesus. So Peter's waiting. Peter's waiting for the opportunity that now he can come back and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry I hurt you. And the opportunity hasn't come. When Jesus comes back, he walks through a wall, and the apostles are in the room, and, and all of a sudden, he, he's there. I mean, just shows up. Gosh, can y'all say he's awesome or what? He walks through a wall, and he's there. And, and what he addresses is who we call Doubting Thomas. I don't know why we put that label on that guy like that. Poor Thomas. But Thomas tells the disciples or the apostles that I am not going to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead until I see the nail prints in his hands and his feet. But Jesus makes a special appearance and says, Thomas, hear the nail prints. But where's Peter? Peter's thinking, I want to, I, I, I want to say, I want to. And Peter doesn't get an opportunity until we get to the book of John. And John records it. In chapter 21, John records this. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two brothers of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going fishing with you also. How easy, y'all, is it sometimes when you've fallen, when you've faltered in your life to go back to the old ways? How easy it is. So now Peter is getting ready to go back to his old profession, and he goes, and they all go fishing. And listen to what happens. When they were all going, they went out immediately and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, 
Yet the disciples did not even know it was Jesus. Then he said to them, children, have you any food? Have you caught any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast a net on the right side and they caught this multitude of the fish. And, and John now looks over at Peter and he says, Peter, it's the Lord. What does Peter do? He jumps out the boat, y'all. He jumps out the boat and he swims to shore. Let me read that for you. It's verse 7. Therefore, that disciples, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment and he plunged into the sea. That's a man that has holes in his faith and he wants to be restored. He wants to see the Lord face to face. And when he does, I've got about 45 more minutes, so y'all be patient. And when he does, when he does see the Lord face to face, the Lord says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He tells him, feed my sheep. He asks him a second time. Now, there's a, a whole big breakdown of these different types of love that, that Jesus is asking Peter. But he continues on. And the third time, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus tells him, feed my sheep. He told him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Jesus was saying, Peter, I still have purpose in you, even though there's holes in your faith. Even though you denied me, even though you walked away from me, I still have purpose in you. He's got purpose in you. And then what he wants you to do with that purpose that he places in you, he wants you to place that purpose in others too. That sometimes seems like they've fallen away and they've lost their way. Place purpose in them. We need to have the mind of Christ. We need to have the Christ-likeness. Humility. Thinking of yourself less. Humble humility, obedience, doing the right thing with the right attitude, value, value the lives of others and know that Jesus values you and purpose. Know that God has a great purpose in you. You might not always see it. Sometimes you might have holes in your faith, but he's got purpose in you and he wants you to place that same purpose in others. Let them know how much you love them. Would you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks for your word. We thank you that you speak to us, God, so clearly and so boldly. Now, God, this word that you've spoken, let it resonate in the hearts and minds and souls of these, your people. Let them feel your presence everywhere they go, God, even in the midst of sometimes when our faith fails. Let them still know that you're right there and they can see you through the holes of their faith and that you'll begin to renew and restore and bring our relationship back to you stronger and stronger that we might stand for you. We thank you that you stand for us, God. We love and honor and adore you now. We give you praise, God. If there are any individuals that are here today that have not accepted you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, let them hear your words as you told them if they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you, God, have raised Jesus from the dead, that they shall be saved. God, let them know that you still stand at the altar and you're calling them to come. We give you thanks now. We love you. We praise you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.